welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocado Press, based in Louisville, Kentucky. Hello, Disrupters. We're doing a special episode of Demand and Disrupt, all about voter registration. In Kentucky, our voter registration deadline is October 11th, so we're going to be pushing this episode out really, really soon. And so what you're going to do is go to vote.gov, that's vote.gov, and it's going to bring up a box for you to pick your state or territory. If you live in Kentucky, pick Kentucky, and then uh, there'll be a, you'll have to tap on something that says uh, find out how to register in your area or something like that. And then once you click that button, that's going to take you to Kentucky's website. If you chose Kentucky, it'll take you to Kentucky's website to either pick to, to register to vote by mail on the website or uh, information about how to register in person. So everything you need, you can start out as at vote.gov. That's your starting place. And if you're in Kentucky, like I am, then your deadline to register to vote is October 11th. And I know that's coming up real soon. Uh, So that's October the 11th. Don't forget to do that. Very important. Always vote. You'll hear that many, many times on this podcast, but since those of you who haven't registered before, if you did that, I'm going to show my appreciation for that by telling you a funny story in a segment that I call Stupid Stuff That Happens to Blind People. Actually, this is not necessarily a segment, but hey, you never know. It could be. So, Saturday... My family and I got up, and Michael usually handles most things food-related in the house, and that's just because I'm lazy. I may have convinced him that I couldn't do it. I may have. I may not have, but I may have. Anyway, so he was doing that, and he got me, this is what I get, see, for, for dishonesty. He, I had what we call yogurt with crunchies, which is... Uh, Greek yogurt with like uh, whatever, not even a little bit good for you, granola that we have in the house. So that's what I had. And so I sat down with my yogurt with crunchies and it did not smell the way honey vanilla yogurt should smell. It smelled different. And so I said, did you check the date on this? And he said, yes, I did. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yes. Now, my husband has many excellent qualities, many, many good things about my husband, but an awareness of time is not one of those. So he got the the, the container out of the garbage because he had thrown it away and it said, yeah, I checked it. It says September 27th. Uh-huh. Right. And what's today? Um, he said, and today, as it turned out, was October 1st, notably later than September 22nd or September 27th. So now I have been known to eat things that were a day or two out of date, you know, whatever, but not coupled with bad smell. You know, if it smells bad and it's out of date, then that that just seals the deal right there. You don't eat that, right? So I did not eat it and then proceeded to almost be convinced that my husband was trying to poison me. I mean, 
It's true. Not everyone would blame him if he did. I get that. I understand. I'm not an easy, easy person to live with. However, really? Poison by yogurt? It seems excessive. So, what a wonder is, do other other blind people deal with this too? It's like someone else's sense of sight tops all the other awesome senses that we as blind people have. Like, I can smell things. I can hear things. It, It doesn't matter. Someone else's sense of sight tops that. And I am therefore less because I do not have that superpower, a.k.a. sight. So I'm wondering if anyone else has this kind of thing happen. If you want to send it in, just put in the subject line, the segment stuff blind people put up with or stuff deaf people put up with or really just anything. So what you want to do is you want to go on your phone. Tell me if this thing, this kind of stuff happens to y'all. I'm really interested. So you want to go to your on your phone to your voice memos app or equivalent, whatever, and you want to just record whatever. If you've had a similar story, a similar thing happens to you, you want to record that and you want to send an email to demandanddisrupt at gmail.com and then just attach that file. Just send me send me that story as a file attachment. Demandanddisrupt at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks, y'all. And now here's part two of my recent interview with Cass Irvin. Hello and welcome, Cass Irvin. It is wonderful to have you with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. I think sometimes we forget that government is not, it's not, it's not the weather. Okay. It's not some magical entity. It is people. Yes. And those people work for us. They are to do the will of the people. And we are the people every day. And we have to, we have to every day. We, we have to be making our will known to the people in government. That is called representative democracy, and that is what we have. Um, that's why we need to register and vote. That's true. That's true. That's why we need to register and, and vote. Cass, what is the state of voting for disabled people right now? What oh, does that, it look like? Is that one of those open-ended questions, which I've decided I hate? Um, <laughs> Okay. Um, Again, um, I'm not so sure I can speak exactly of what's happening across the country um, because um, David Ongood could help you with that more because I'm, again, not keeping up on what everybody else is doing. I know that when I see people complain on any of the news broadcasts or whatever, I think, are you, but are you voting? Are you complaining without doing anything about it? It's so easy to complain, but it's not easy to get out and do something on your own to make change. But if you don't do it as the slogan goes, who's going to do it? Voting has always been important to me because I realized, disabled or not, it was something I could do. And I'm not going to say it's been easy because... I've been voting since I was 18. No, yes, 18. And um, at different times in my life, it was hard. And many times in my life, like the last 
30 years or more. It's been easier. Mm -hmm. um, but I vote absentee. And that's a whole nother discussion with the way politics have been the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, I never worried about my absentee ballot. Do you think it's important for uh, disabled people to continue to be able to vote via absentee ballot? Oh, sure. If, you know, if they're qualified, yes, definitely. I mean, I think anybody can. I mean, I, I don't know if in Kentucky we've been able to vote and just put put it in a box, you know, a voting box. I don't even remember because, you know, I vote absentee and I don't pay attention to how other people have to vote. I know you mm -hmm. can early vote, but anything that makes it easier to vote. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, if you're going to cheat, you're going to do something big. You're not going to have a couple <laughs> of people mark a ballot wrong. And <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I, and that's why I like to vote at the polls, which I've mostly done, um, because I'm there with other people and they can look and go, oh, well, she can, she's coming to vote. Boy, I sure feel bad about making an excuse about coming to vote when she comes to vote. Uh -huh. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, I just like the process. And, you know, it's not been easy. Like I said, uh, I got several big adventures that have happened while trying to vote, um, including having to go down a flight of steps in a wheelchair. Oh, um, my gosh. But, um, you know, it's it's our chance to say what we feel. And then if something doesn't go our way, we can say, well, at least we did our duty and we went out and we voted. To me, um, I, th I think voting is so fundamental to who I am. I mean, we, my, my precinct, my voting precinct where I live, they know me. Um, mm -hmm. They know my family. We go vote at the fire department and there's somebody there who will go let my kids play on the fire truck if it's there. And my kids see us voting and those, those women, and it is women. It is. So when they talk about, uh, you know, not really verbal attacks or whatever on poll workers, that's largely women. That mm -hmm. is largely mm -hmm. women and older women and they're volunteering their time and they've been doing it for years. And it, it, it bothers me that, that we aren't showing them the proper respect that we should. And I mean, they, they, I know that I am very likely the only person who uses the talking voting oh. booth. Wow. I know that I am, but I, I would bet money that they make sure it's there for me mm -hmm. because they, they know I'm coming. They know if it's election day, they're going to see the parsleys. And so okay. they make sure that I have what I need to vote in privacy independently. And it, it hurts, hurts me in my feelings, as my daughter says, that people are questioning those people's veracity and their patriotism that those people who I feel sure have have fought for me um and I mean I know now there's talk of going back to uh paper ballots well I'm blind I don't I don't know how I'm going to do that I don't believe necessarily that it's more secure than what I've been doing all along um so well, the first time I voted my aunt was a precinct worker it was a couple of 
maybe six blocks from my house and somebody pushed me in my wheelchair all the way down there and my aunt was a precinct worker and because I could not reach, this was a booth with levers in it. And once mm -hmm. you got the booth, you pulled the curtain and of course me in my wheelchair that kind of stuck out. And because I couldn't really reach the buttons, a poll worker who was Democratic and a poll worker who was Republican had to go in the booth with me. And, you know, they were supposed to help me cast my ballot. And my aunt pushed the key or what it lever for straight Democratic. Mm -hmm. And I said, wait. And she said, what? Is my aunt. And I said, mm -hmm. I wasn't going to vote that way. And she said, you weren't going to vote Democratic. <laughs> and I said, well, there was this one person I wanted to vote for who wasn't. And she said, well, who? Oh, and I told, her, and I told her and she said, oh, well, you just flip this one up. And she flipped one up that was supposedly meant I voted for the other person. But it was like, what? You know, this is my vote. This isn't your It one. is. Yes. Yes. So that it was really fun. Wow. Wow. That my first, uh, my first foray into advocacy was, um, you know, after the ADA was signed, many of those old polling places that were inaccessible were mm -hmm. moved into courthouses or even some in larger churches, um, mm -hmm. uh, schools, you know, places that were accessible voting right. were, and there was actually a, a, a movement so much as you can call anything political in Butler County, Kentucky, a movement, but there was a very local movement to stop this because it was, they said government overreach that we would not be able to go and do our handshaking and politicking as normal, which meant doing it the same way they'd always done it in places. I know the place that my mom voted at the time, I think I wasn't even ready to cast my first vote. I, that was the election for me to cast my first vote. It was like in this, this was in a place very, barely bigger than like an outhouse. I mean, it was tiny. Oh my it was God. a tiny, tiny place. Exactly. The voting machines, like you talked about, it was one of those steps up to it. No way a wheelchair could get into it. Goodness knows they'd never thought about a blind person coming in to vote at all. But this person leading this movement wanted to make sure that that's the way it stayed. And so my first act of resistance was to write an article to put in the paper about mm -hmm. why that violated my civil rights. And I mean, obviously I won and I've never looked back. So, um, but I feel like, I feel like people like you showed us how to do it. You, you showed us how to organize. You showed us how to keep our heads. Uh, you showed us to take the small steps so tell me what you think those of us doing the work now, demanding change and disrupting the systems, what can we do in the future? What do we need to do? Hmm. This might sound strange, but think about working for politicians. Think about trying to educate them Think about trying to show up where they are and get to know them because if they believe in your issues, they can do as much for you as a bunch of us marching on Washington can do. 
Well, I know that's hard to say, but I mean, you do one of two things. You either get the people who make decisions on your side or you work to get those people to learn what your focus is so they'll make decisions for you. I mean, disabled people, if, well, it, every time I start to say something, I think of what's contra contrary to that because, you know, when you're in this business, you work very hard and people keep trying to tell you things you can't do. Um, that's why it's hard for me to tell somebody else what they need to do because I have a friend and I tell you for the last 30 years she's shown up and then one year she decided she had a voice and the reason she decided she had a voice was because we were talking on the phone and, and I asked her to talk to me about the problems with our transit authority and she did, and I recorded it. And then I transcribed that recording and I gave it to her. And I said, this is what you said, isn't it? And she said, yes. And I said, well, just say this to talk. I mean, people sometimes have the words. It's just they need help to get it done or they just need to be around other people to support what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Did I answer your question? Yes. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. It's not an answer I wanted. I wanted there to be something easier, but yeah, no, that makes, per <laughs> that well, makes perfect sense. Let me, though. let me tell you something else. Let me tell you something else. When you get a win, even if it's just a little win, um, it makes you feel so empowered, so strong, so capable and the only example I have of that is you know I've been around for a long time I used to talk to politicians all the time whenever there was a public hearing and I went to a public hearing for um the Kentucky delegation was at a local um neighborhood museum just wanting to hear from the people about because they were, you know, Frankfurt, they were trying to decide what their constituents needed. So, you know, we all got up and had a chance to speak. And I had my papers in my hands because I usually write down what I want to say. And um, so when it was my turn to speak, I said, um, you have to excuse me. I said, I'm very nervous. I mean, I'm shaking my papers because I'm very nervous. And one of the senators, Kentucky State senators, sitting up, you know, on the dais or whatever you call it, you know, waiting to hear from us, said, Cass Irvin, you're a liar. And it scared me to death. And it was David Karam. And he said, I have never heard you nervous. I've seen you speak many times, never heard you nervous. And I, you know, I mean, it made me immediately more tense, but then relaxed at the same time because, you know, I, I knew they knew I was talking, you know, knew what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's all personal experience. You just take what happens to you personally and you try to frame it in a way they can understand. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, take 
make it personal, make it personal. And the more the, the, the people who control the levers of power know you, then maybe that it has an impact on, on each vote that they take. So, and, and David Karen went on to run like um, Kentucky tourist agency downtown. So, and it, I, he, I'm sure he's known accessibility ever since we've done all this. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's what I do. It's what, you know, it's important work. It is. It is. And I personally thank you for doing the, the important work. It's very rewarding, personally. Thanks, Cass Irvin, for joining us and for your lifetime of service to people with disabilities. Thanks to Chris Unkin for our theme music. Thanks to Steve Moore for our providing our transcription. Support comes from the Center for Accessible Living in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. Just for once, I think I would agree.